0: Well, hey there everyone, I'm Daniel Hahn and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just wanna thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. So I am ready to preach if you're ready to receive. Uh, Before we go any further, I just wanna thank Pastor Daniel for a great message last Sunday. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, he did something last week that I think is missing behind a lot of pulpits. A lot of people put pastors on pedestals and they think that pastors never struggle. We don't, we don't, we have no problems whatsoever. We don't have a past and we don't, you know, Satan does not seem to attack us at all. Life is just gravy. We sit in our offices and we sing Kumbaya all day long. But I'm here to tell you, the enemy attacks us too. And so I want you to know, don't, don't, don't look to me, don't even look to Pastor Strickland as your source, as putting us at, on the pedestal. Let's put Jesus on the throne. Amen. And you look to the same ones we're looking to, and that's to Jesus. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to begin reading at verse 22. If you have spent any time in church. Um, I guarantee you that you have uh, at some point in time done a study on this passage. It's a very familiar passage, but today I want us to look at it from maybe a little bit different perspective. So, Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22. And if you don't have your Bibles, it will be on the screens for you. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Aren't you glad when Jesus steps into the middle of your circumstances and it seems like there's chaos all around you. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would release revelation in this house today. I thank you, Spirit, for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for that word of encouragement to us, God. And we do. Our nation needs to turn to you. You have your hands outstretched, and all we have to do is grab a hold. That's all we've got to do. God, I pray for revival in our nation. And God, we know that with revival comes transparency. Things tend to come out during revival. So, God, I pray that you would have your way in our midst today, Lord. God, I I, I, I surrender my agenda to you. You are over me. You know what needs to happen in this service. And so I release control to you today. Father, for anyone that is here today that may be suffering, maybe going through a problem today, maybe in a storm of their own, God, would you just remind them that if you have them in the palm of your hand and you are not going to let them go. You are going to see them through. Father, use me and anoint me today. In Jesus' name, amen. For the next few minutes, I want to preach along these lines. The I in anxiety. The I in anxiety. Ask anyone in America how they are doing and you are likely to get a response similar to, I'm doing good. But how many of you know that if they were honest, they're probably not good. If they are honest, they are probably worried, stressed, and anxious about a number of things. Worried about the future, wondering what is going to happen, wondering how much higher our gas prices going to go? Can I get an amen? Yes. Will my kids serve God or are they gonna serve the world? Will I get laid off? Will I lose my hair as they get older? Lord Jesus, no. Yes, and the list goes on and on. I just proclaim it. It's not going to happen. Friends, America is a nation full of anxious people. And I want to be transparent with you today because I believe, as I've already said, this is one thing that is missing in a lot of pulpits. I think many people put pastors on pedestals because people think pastors have their entire life together and they never struggle. But I'm here to tell you this pastor struggles sometimes, so don't put me on the pedestal because I will fail you. Let's put Jesus on the throne and let's all look to him today. I wanna be transparent with you and let you know that I struggle with anxiety. I have struggled with anxiety for much of my life. I know that it may look like I'm very confident every time I stand behind this pulpit, but I want you to know that it is only by the grace of God that I am able to do what I do because if it were dependent on me, I would fail miserably. It's quite interesting to me, however, that if you start digging, you'll discover that many times the very same companies that we get our news from, the ones that, in my opinion, are largely the ones to blame for making Americans anxious, are the same companies that are affiliated in some sort or fashion with the makers of prescription drug companies that manufacture, you guessed it, anxiety medication, which many people take to alleviate their anxiety. I'm not trying to get political, is telling you the way it is. In Matthew 14 an interesting story is laid out before us. Directly before this passage, we read of Jesus feeding the 5,000. The crowd is amazed at Jesus' ability to take something seemingly so small and turn it into something great. Now, there are a few things that I want to point out and explain to help us understand the context of this a little bit better before we jump in. In verse 22, it says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now this is interesting to me. Why would Jesus want to disperse the crowd? In John's gospel, it tells us that Jesus saw that the crowds wanted to instill him to be their king by force. And Jesus knew this was not the reason for his coming to earth. Jesus didn't want the enthusiasm of the crowd to deter him or his disciples from fulfilling their true mission. See So many people get caught up in things that produce anxiety in their life, and they wonder why. Can I suggest that maybe you are getting caught up in things that God never designed you to be a part of in the first place? Jesus knew his purpose. His purpose was straightforward. He was sent to the earth to save that which was lost. That is you, and that is me. So we read that Jesus leaves leaves to spend time alone in prayer and the disciples set out into the Sea of Galilee to fish and a storm comes suddenly. If we're all honest, we may judge Peter in this passage for not having enough faith to trust the same Jesus that had just fed 5,000 people from five loaves and two fish was able to sustain him when he needed it. But I think we've all been there if we're honest. We've all had doubts. We've all had questions. Doctors will tell you that anxiety is a biological issue. They will tell you that a chemical imbalance in the brain causes it, and because of this imbalance, you are unable to see the good all around you. All you can do is focus on all all the what if questions. And how many of you know there are a lot of what ifs in life, a lot of what ifs can happen, but how many of you know a lot of times they don't happen? But in our minds, we circulate 24/7 with all the what ifs. Some people think their anxiety source is based on their environment. People mistreat them over and over or they were blaming on their childhood, the way that they were raised. All of these are certainly credible reasons. I don't want anyone to feel like I am being unsympathetic with the struggles that you have faced in your life. But here's what I do know. We can't change what is in the past and we can't change and we can't control how people treat us. But what we can change is how we allow these influences to affect us. At the center of the word anxiety, you'll notice something interesting. At the center of the word anxiety is the letter I. Today I want us to look introspectively and ask the question, what am I doing to contribute to the anxiety that is in my life? See, too often we get in the habit of blaming our problems on other people or giving Satan more credit than he deserves. And I've learned that nine times out of 10, the problems I'm facing is because of the person that I see in the mirror. So today, I want us to focus on the role that we play in permitting anxiety to flourish in our life. Our first point this morning, what are you taking in? How many of you love fried chicken? Go ahead. Come on now, you can't be Pentecostal and not love fried chicken. (laughs) If you don't have your hand raised, you can go walk right on yourself out to your car and leave. You're not, this is not the church for you. We love fried chicken. I don't think, I would question your salvation if you told me that you don't love fried chicken. I'll be here at the altar and I'll pray and we'll get that right with the Lord. You know, I know it's early, but why don't we just pray, take up the offering, and just go ahead and go get us some fried chicken. You know, I, 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 think, I think we've done well enough. Glory be to God. I believe fried chicken is heaven's protein. Something, you laugh, something happens when you fry that chicken. Gator, you know this is true. It's like a holy baptism like no other church. You dump that fried chicken into that oil and you watch as all those impurities come rising up to the surface. I'm not making this up. The apostle Paul even spoke about this. This is scripture, y'all. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Something happens to that chicken when you fry it. But here's what I learned, and this pains me greatly. As much as I love fried chicken, If all I do is eat fried chicken, which I have no problem with. When I leave church today, I'm going to KFC to go get me some fried chicken. I'm not going to be able to get through that doorway if all I do is eat fried chicken. I was shocked to find out when I went to the doctor recently that my cholesterol was off the charts. Who in the world would have guessed that fried chicken would do that to you, Gator? It's heaven's protein. I just don't, don't understand it. Apparently, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And this leads me to my point today. I believe some of you are taking in too much of the world and too little of God. I want to ask a very simple question, and I want you to be honest with yourself. Don't answer this the way you think you should. Answer this truthfully. If you are full of anxiety today, how do you start your day? How full are you of God? How full are you of the world? One thing I know for certain, church, we will have all we want of God and not one ounce more. Once we reach the point that we think we are full, that will be the point that God stops pouring in. I can't speak for you, but I need more of God in my life. I need more of His presence in my life. The more sinful this world becomes, the more of God I need in me to point me in the right direction because when sin is all around, it is incredibly enticing, church. We 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 can sit here and act like what's not, but it is incredibly enticing. Satan knows what he is doing. It is incredibly powerful, but as long as we are staying grounded in God and his word, there is not a single sin that can convince me that it is more pleasurable than spending time in God's presence. Amen. Some of you are wanting peace in your life, and I believe God wants to put it in you, but some of you are so full of the world that he has nowhere to put it. You have designated that space for things of this world, and I'm telling you, church, you cannot serve both God and man. If you are feeling anxious today, may I encourage you to first determine if the root of that feeling is truly anxiety, or is it conviction from the Holy Spirit? I don't want to make a blanketed statement, and I say, that this is, I say that this is the case with everyone, but friends, we have so much sin in our culture today that I believe many people that say they are suffering from anxiety are not actually suffering from anxiety. I believe they are feeling the convicting power of a loving God that wants them to stop sinning and turn to Him, and because it's not comfortable, they just say, well, I suffer with anxiety. I believe we have many people today that are trying to live for God while they are still holding firmly onto the things of this world. And you cannot do both. You cannot live for God and happily choose to cave to sin over and over and over. If you don't believe me, allow me to remind you what happened to Saul. Saul repeatedly resisted God in many ways. He repeatedly told God no when God instructed him to do something. Saul wanted to do things his own way. He had his own agenda. Saul thought he would be freer to do his own thing without the spirit of God hounding him, without God bugging him. But what he didn't realize is that the very same presence that was bugging him was actually protecting him. He failed to realize that without God, he really was not much, church. Saul thought that he could do better on his own. How many of us have done that? God, I know that you want me to do X, Y, Z. I have a better plan. And how many of you know that whenever God allows us to do our own plan, it never works out. It never works out. I just want to preach for a minute. See, the world is committed to doing things their own way. Well, pastor, I want to be in charge. I want to do my own thing. I'm not going to listen to or respect people of authority because I know what needs to be done. And I don't need to listen to anybody. I have the right to do what I want to do with my own body. Well, let me tell you something, friend. You certainly can do whatever you wish to do. But just let me offer this word of wisdom. Don't blame God when his hand of protection lifts off of you so you're free to do your own thing and the enemy comes in like a flood like it did with Saul. We can't blame God for our own sinful choices and actions. He is a gentleman. He will not force himself on anyone. The clay cannot say to the potter how to form it. it, Saul was not beyond repentance, though. God wanted him to repent, but Saul chose to continue serving his very own agenda. Many in the world today claim they are suffering from anxiety, but I believe many are suffering from the convicting power of a loving God. Now, please hear me. If you struggle with anxiety, please do not think that I am belittling how you feel. And please don't think that I am saying that if you are struggling with anxiety, then you must have unrepentant sin in your life. I simply want to cover all the bases. And if you have sin that needs to be dealt with, the Holy Spirit will bring it to your attention. I am not the one that convicts. I'm just a messenger. I've already alluded this earlier, but some of us need to quit spending time with and around things that drain us of life. And we need to start spending more time doing things that are life-giving. If your anxiety is on the rise, take a look at what At what and who you are allowing to speak into your life, I believe some of you have given the wrong people a megaphone to speak over you, speak life, speak over your life, and they are speaking ill to you. And it's time for you to take it back. You should not allow people that intend to cause you harm to have a megaphone. If you, if some of you tuned into God's word for your news as much as you tune into your TV, I believe you would certainly feel less anxious. If we intake more of the world than we do of God, church, that will certainly be a source of anxiety. Amen. I want to share something with you that I learned from another pastor. It's a brand new feature that I did not realize that our phones had. And I'm, I'm going to assume that you probably don't know this either. This is very powerful church. It's almost as powerful as bapti- b- b- baptizing fried chicken. It's almost right there. See, if you press this button... Right here on the side, now my phone, it's fancy, so I've got two buttons I gotta push. You push this button and you push this button and this magical screen pops up, see that? And then if I turn it like this, it turns off. Friends, we are not designed to be connected to the world 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I love my phone, I love how it can connect me to people all around the world, but our culture has become so consumed with this and other things that many times we can't even hear the voice of God. So many people say, God doesn't answer my prayers. God doesn't speak to me. Well friends, have you thought about putting this down and removing all distractions and say, Lord, I am here for you and you alone. I wanna hear from you. I don't wanna hear from man. I don't wanna hear from the news anchor. I don't want to hear from the president. I want to hear from the one that sits on the throne. I am not here for anyone but you. Let me let you in on a little secret. You are not going to find the solution to your anxiety with this. The answer to your anxiety is right here. This is the answer to your anxiety. Pastor Craig Rochelle once said, Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. What goes into your mind comes out into your life. We need to guard what we allow into our life, friends. Our second point today. What are you focused on? What are you focused on? Matthew 14, 28 through 33. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. When I am confronted with anxiety over a situation, it is extremely hard for me to look past the problem. As Peter was looking out over the waves and saw the effects of the wind, he probably felt like we do when we are facing a mountain of problems. He probably felt small and insignificant. But the answer to his problem was not based upon him. It was found in Jesus. As long as Peter kept his eyes focused on the one that was the miracle worker, the sustainer, the enabler, the life giver, he was able to do the miraculous. The second, that he turned his eyes to the problem, the wind around him, the waves around him, he became afraid. Friends, I know it is difficult when you are facing a storm that seems insurmountable, but if you will take your eyes off of the situation and turn your eyes to Jesus, I am telling you a praise will start to lift out of your soul that you can't contain and you will discover that when your eyes are on Jesus you can't waste energy on worry and doubt because you will be too busy in awe of how good he is. David understood the importance of keeping his eyes turned to Jesus and staying in his own lane. Did you hear that? Staying in his own lane. Psalm 139, beginning at verse 19. This passage starts out a little rough. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Now, verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So here's David. He starts out saying, God, why don't you kill off all these evil people? Why don't you get rid of them? I hate evil just as much as you do, and I don't understand why you're not doing something about it. But notice verse 23. We see a shift. Search me, O God, and know my heart Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let me tell you, church, if we would do like David did, we would alleviate at least 90% of our anxiety and worry. Pastor Scott, what are you trying to say? I'm saying that some of you are focusing on other people and what they are doing or you're focused on the problem and it's time for you to do what David did and stay in your own lane. Turn your eyes off of other people and turn your eyes to Jesus and ask him to fix you. Stop worrying about other people, stop worrying about what God is doing with them and then their life. Focus on your relationship with Jesus because there is nothing, truly nothing in this world that matters more than your relationship with Jesus. Your problems don't matter. Your feelings don't matter. Your anxiety does not matter. None of this matters when your eyes are locked to the one that gave you salvation. If he was great enough to walk on water and sustain Peter, don't you think he is great enough to sustain you? Take your eyes off of other people. Take your eyes off of your problems and fix your eyes on your problem solver. As long as Peter kept his eyes fixated on the problem solver, his problem had no effect on him. The waves had no impact. See, some of you need to adjust your focus off of your problems and focus your eyes on the one that is able to rock right over top of every problem you're facing and every problem you will ever face. He is greater than any problem we will ever face, church. He is greater than any doubt, and he is greater than any worry. As I heard one pastor put it, your focus determines your strength. If you feel tired this morning, maybe it's because you are focused on the wrong thing. If you feel exhausted today, you're a college student and you don't know how you're going to graduate, or you're a high school student and you don't know what the next step is for your life. Maybe you got laid off of your job this week and there is stress in your life and you are worried about the future, wondering how are you going to provide for your family. Maybe there is tension in your marriage today and in your house, and you don't know how to fix it. Or maybe there are problems with your health. You got a bad doctor's report this week, and you don't know what to do because the doctor told you that things don't look good. If you were to ask me, Pastor Scott, what should I do? I would tell you, focus on Jesus, focus on Jesus, focus on Jesus, focus on the Jesus Jesus is alive. He is for you. He is not against you. He is your savior. He wants you to succeed. He is your shepherd. What are the practical steps, Scott? Focus on Jesus. Friends, the more that we know Jesus, the more we will start to look like him. The more we focus on Jesus, the more life we will have. So if you are feeling stressed, anxious, and worried today, maybe you are focused on the problem Instead of focusing on the solution, focus on Jesus because your problems will seem so small if you just focus on Him. Our third point: who are you trusting in? Today must be Transparency Sunday, so I'm going to reveal another one of my greatest fears today. I'm not a fan of flying on planes. Before coming to OAG, I had never flown before. I had a serious fear of heights, and I have since my childhood. If it was five feet off the ground, I was not going. (laughs) Several weeks ago, Katie and I were invited to attend a church event, Speed the Light Retreat with Pastor Daniel and Amanda in North, North Carolina, and we had to fly. Now, I know that I'm a baby when it comes to flying church. The plane can dip just a little, and I'll freak out and panic. And meanwhile, my wife is sitting next to me with the biggest grin on her face, enjoying the whole entire ride. So I'll pre-warn you that if you ask my wife or Pastor Daniel or Pastor Amanda for their side of this story I'm about to tell, they will tell you it was a piece of cake. When we flew back home, I had a little moment. Just, just a little titsy moment. We were getting close to the runway. I can see it, and it's getting closer and closer and if if any of you don't like flying you know what i'm talking about when you're anxious about flying all you want to feel is that thud when you feel that thud you know okay i'm back on solid ground jesus thank you for getting me back on the ground i promise i will never fly again thank you lord so i'm waiting i'm bracing myself for our landing waiting for the thud and so i'm waiting in anticipation because once we touch down, my anxiety will go away. And so I'm waiting and I'm thinking, surely we have got to be close by now. And about that time, we start climbing up again and I am freaking out. My mind completely goes to the worst case scenario. Did the landing gear not come down? Is there a problem with the plane? Are we all going to die? And so we keep climbing higher and higher and several minutes have gone by. And all I want is to hear the voice of the pilot come on and explain what in the world is going on with this plane. Why didn't we land? Do I need to put on my parachute? Is it time to grab the oxygen mask? I'm looking around for the flight attendants to come to me to go through the pre-flight safety instructions again so I can really pay attention this time. I promise I really need to know what to do because I was not paying attention closely enough before. But I promise I'll pay attention now. I'm looking for my flotation device. I'm pulling on my seatbelt and just praying, dear Jesus. I know I put on a few pounds since I got married, but please let this thing hold. Finally, after several minutes, the pilot comes on and he says, everything is fine. We just had a strong wind come from the rear and right when he was getting ready to land, so he wanted to play it safe and come back around. Let me tell you something, church. Right after that, I needed to use the restroom. (laughs) I thought to myself, pilot, you might think everything is fine until you go look in that bathroom and then you'll discover everything is not okay. Now I know that is a funny story that has not been dramatized one ounce, but here's the truth of the matter. As fearful as I am to get on a plane, there is not a single thing that I can do if something bad happens. I don't know how to fly that plane. I don't know what buttons to push. We all know that the oxygen masks are a joke. They just put them on planes to make you feel like you have a 1% chance of surviving if something does happen. We all know that's a joke. The best thing I can do for myself and those around me and my wife is to sit back, relax, and trust the training of the pilot. Peter thought... It all depended on him, but it all depended on Jesus. Let me tell you, friends, if all you can do is trust in your own abilities, your own strength, your own talent, then you certainly have reason to be fearful, but I want to deliver a relieving news flash for you. It does not depend on you. It depends on the one that is sitting on the throne. When Peter got anxious and started to fall because he was fearful about the wind and the waves, Jesus proved that all he needed to do is trust in him. Jesus was the one that would provide for him. Peter could not provide for himself. Jesus was the I am. God is the miracle worker. We are just the conduit. Many people with anxiety are guilty of thinking that it all depends on them. And I want to call you out today and call myself out today and let you know that it doesn't. Listen to the language that many people suffering with anxiety use. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can make it. If I, if I, if I, 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 I. Church, you are not called to carry the weight of the world. You are called to trust in Jesus and allow him to use you. Some of you... Some of you are suffering from anxiety because you are carrying a weight you were never designed to carry. At the center of this issue is another word that I, quite frankly, I despise. I do not like this word, and that word is pride. Some of you need to humble yourself and realize that it doesn't depend on you. Let me tell you, As long as you are weighed down with pride, God cannot use you and God cannot help you. If you believe everything depends on you and your ability, there is no wonder why you are stressed and anxious. But friends, I want to encourage you to remove yourself from the throne of your life and allow God to sit on it and bow before him and watch and see if he doesn't do more with your surrender than you can do with your control. Moses was in a similar boat. Moses thought it all depended on his own ability, but we see God calling him out. I want you to notice the language that he uses in verses, in Exodus four chapter, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter four, verses 10 through 12. But Moses said to the Lord, "O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue." Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. In the midst of God, the creator of the universe, church, explicitly telling Moses what he was going to do, and what Moses needed to do, Moses responds with the word that demonstrated that he thought it all depended on him. He said, I am not enough. I am not gifted enough to carry this out. I don't speak well enough. He didn't realize that the deliverance didn't depend on his ability. It was all dependent upon God. See, in our minds, when we say that I am not gifted enough, to do something, we think we are being humble. But friends, if we realized who was doing the work, then we would know that it is not humility, it is pride in our own abilities. Church, the fact that Jesus had to come to the earth to die for our salvation, proves that you and I are not capable on our own. We are not gifted enough. We are not smart enough. We are not righteous enough. We are not strong enough. But aren't you glad that it doesn't depend on you? Stop placing yourself on the throne and put God where He rightfully belongs. Jesus belongs on the throne. Stop placing yourself there. Amen. Point number four Where do you run when you have doubts? Matthew 14, verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. I want to do you a favor today if you are struggling with anxiety because you have doubts. Friends, doubts will come. Any Christian that tells you they have never had doubt is lying to you. I heard a story from Pastor Craig Rochelle that he once shared about John Kavanoff. John was searching for a purpose in life. He had doubts and so he packed up his bags. Moved all the way to Calcutta to serve the poor with Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa asked him, how can I pray for you? And he said, will you ask God to give me clarity? And Mother Teresa said, clarity is the last thing you're clinging to. And must let go of. She said, I'm not going to pray for clarity. And he looked at her and said, you seem to have purpose in everything that you do. You have clarity. Why won't you pray for me to have clarity? And here's what she said. I've never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I'm going to pray that you trust God. Some of you have been asking questions your whole entire life and you are causing yourself a great deal of anxiety because you don't have all the answers to all the what if questions but you, and you don't have clarity and I want to encourage you that it's not bad to ask questions but at some point in the midst of your doubts, the thing that you need may not be clarity, you might need trust. You see, doubts will come, but today I want to encourage you to be careful where you run to when you have doubts. I have no problem with people seeking out wise counsel from their peers, but friends, our world today is more interested in man's opinion than God's truth. When you are stressed, when you are worried, when you have doubts, when you need direction, run to Jesus. When anxiety is on the rise, many people choose to turn to things that promise a temporal relief. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, but none of them are the solution. We may judge Peter for not believing, but he knew exactly where to turn when he had doubts, friends. When Peter's faith wavered, he reached out to Christ, the only one that could help. He was afraid, but he still looked to Jesus. When you are apprehensive about the troubles around you and doubt Christ's presence or ability to help, remember that he is the only one that can really help you. So when you have doubts, run to the one That will make it happen. Don't turn to your own abilities, don't turn to man, don't turn to the worldly pleasures that provide temporal relief from our anxiety. Turn to the one that will make it happen. Where did Abraham turn when he and Sarah were too old to bear a child in the world's eyes? He turned to his concubine. In other words, he turned to man to be the solution to his problem. But the miracle was not going to be manifested by man. It was going to be manifested by God. When the going got tough, when it looked like God was not going to come through on his promise, when Abraham was overcome with doubt, he turned to his concubine as a solution to his problem. Friends, when the doubts come, and if you struggle with anxiety like I do, there is no doubt in my mind that you do. Turn to God. Our final point this morning you need to form boundaries that encourage and enable you to take a Sabbath. I've noticed a dangerous trend in the modern church. It is a sickness that is spreading like wildfire. And I believe Satan is using it to take down many in the church today because he knows that without times of refreshing, we will stumble and we will burn out. Many of us like to taunt that we work seven days a week and we never stop because we don't want to look weak. And some may even say, I work for Jesus 24-7 and we walk around boastful like it's something to be proud of, like it's an honor badge, but I am here to call you out because that is not something to be boastful about. Sin is not something to be boastful about. Well, pastor, no one else would do my job. I'm the only one that can do it. It's me or nothing. No one else is gifted like I am. If I allow someone else to do it, they won't do as good of a job as me. So I'd rather do it myself, and that might mean I have to work seven days a week, but I don't care. Some of you have been doing this for years, and it's time for you to have a reality check. You may think that everything depends on you, but I'm going to call it what it is, and the root of that is pride. We are human beings. We are not Human doings. See, our culture today determines your worth based upon what you can do for them, but not God. Many today think if the world says jump, our response should be how high. But I'm telling you, If God thought it was important enough to include this in the top 10, then it must be important. Let me warn you, there are people you will encounter when you start placing boundaries in your life to set aside a day of rest that will do their best to make you feel guilty, to make you feel like you aren't doing enough. But here's what your response should be. If it's good enough for God, it's good enough for me. And if it needs to be good enough for you. Setting boundaries in your life is the primary way to ensure that you will stay healthy physically, mentally, and spiritually. You need time spent with God to refocus so you don't forget who it is that you are serving. Some of you are so anxious and you are encouraging it because you refuse to put boundaries in place to ensure that you get a Sabbath every week. Mark 4.35 On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, "Let us go across to the other side." And leaving the crowd, they took with him, they they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Here's what I want you to take away from this passage. Jesus sees that there is still work to be done. He saw the crowd. He knew there were still people that needed to be healed, demons that needed to be cast out. And he still had much to teach about. Yet, in that moment, he told the disciples to leave the crowd behind and get into the boat. Some of you need to understand that you are not the only one working in the harvest field. When you clock out, God has an entire army of people ready to continue right where you left off. The weight of the kingdom does not rest solely on your shoulders alone. Some of you need to cast your pride aside and realize that you are the only one, you need to realize that you are not the only one that is working in the harvest field. You need time spent with God to refocus so you don't forget who it is that you are serving. Allow me to share what I've learned. And I know that I am young, so this may mean nothing to you. The more time I spend soaking in God's presence, the less anxious I feel. So if you are feeling anxious today, maybe you're overdue for time spent at the feet of Jesus. Anxiety is a symptom telling you that something is off balance in your life. As I get ready to close, if you're here today and you struggle with anxiety, I want you to know that the man standing behind this pulpit today struggles too. But I'm here to tell you that we should not submit to our feelings. Our feelings need to submit to Christ. I will tell you what I know. God is greater than all of my worries, all of my questions, and all of my doubts. We are not called to be Superman. You are not called to be Superwoman. We are called to be faithful. We are called to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that is enough. I can't think of a better way to close this service than by sharing in communion with you. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, mere hours away from being crucified, Scripture tells us that sweat as drops of blood dripped from his brow as he was praying and waiting in agony, knowing what was ahead. Yet in the midst of his agony, Jesus stayed connected with the Father and he stayed focused on fulfilling his purpose. Because Jesus lived as a man, he can sympathize with whatever you are facing today. He's walked it. Today, if you are suffering with anxiety, I want you to remove yourself from the throne and give control back to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blessing of salvation. We know that there was no way for us to earn salvation on our own, but we are so thankful that you loved us enough to come to die on that cross, a death that you did not deserve, so that we could be blessed and live a life that we do not deserve. Father, today before we take communion, your word says that a man should examine himself before he takes. And so today, Lord, I ask that you would highlight to each individual here any sin that is not covered under the blood. Would you highlight that to us? And Father, we ask you right now to forgive us of anything that is in our life today that is not under the blood. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.